I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. Hi, my name is Julianne Franz, and my question is, where did the male-female sculpture in front of Penn Station come from? What has its impact been on Baltimore? And what might be its fate in the future? I always wondered if this thing is hollow. I'm going to give it a tap. Julianne, we've decided to meet right here in front of Penn Station in Baltimore at the site of the statue in question. Uh, It is called Male Female. It's by the artist Jonathan Borofsky. Uh, And it was built here on this spot back in uh, 2004, so it's been here for like 16 years now. Let me uh, ask you to describe this work of art for our listeners. Uh, Well, it's big. It's like 50 feet big. It's made out of steel. And if you approach the statue from the east or the west, you see a female. And if you approach it from north or south, you see a male. And in the middle is a a beaming heart um, that lights up at night. What's your personal opinion of this statue? It's definitely a sculpture that I hate, um, but it's also a sculpture that I love to hate. I struggle with its proximity to the station and just how, like, jarring it is to arrive in Baltimore and meet it. So there is uh, this major $90 million redevelopment project that's about to happen here at uh, Penn Station starting this spring. What do you think ought to happen to this sculpture? Should it stay here and be part of the landscape of, you know, Penn Station 2.0? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the sculpture hasn't aged well. It, it totally, um, I think it does conform to certain binary understanding of gender. In fact, I know, you know, my dream is to have one of those illusionists come to town and have it disappear and then show up in every public restroom on the door as a spinning sculpture that, that adorns the doors of non-binary bathrooms. So to recap, Julianne, your question is, how did this thing end up here in the first place? What kind of an effect has it had since it's been here? And what might happen to it next? Let me see if I can find you an answer. Well, if there's one thing I've learned about Borofsky's male-female sculpture, it's that Baltimoreans love to have an opinion about it. I went on social media and I typed in, What do you honestly think of the male-female statue outside Baltimore's Penn Station? And within seconds, I love it, hate it, big fan since day one. It's my least favorite thing in the city. Adore it, tacky, eerily comforting, boring and uninspired. I dig it. I f***ing hate it. More than 200 comments in 24 hours. Whatever else you want to say about it, this piece of art is a very effective conversation starter. And look, it's not hard to go online and find plenty of articles that delve into people's opinions about the male-female sculpture. What is quite impossible to find, though, and what I'm happy to be able to share with you on this episode, are the thoughts of the artist himself. My name is Jonathan Borofsky, and I'm sitting up here in my studio in Ogunquit, Maine. Mr. Borofsky is in his late 70s now. He is internationally renowned for his large-scale public artworks. You can find his sculptures in South Korea, Germany, Switzerland, Japan, and Norway, as well as in U.S. cities from Los Angeles to Denver to New York. And in 2004, Baltimore joined that list. Mr. Borofsky says he got a call from a group called the Municipal Art Society of Baltimore City, and they made him an offer. They were interested in doing something, and could I make some ideas to present to them that they could 
study and see if they, uh, they like them or wanted to use one of them for uh, the particular site in front of the station there. Did they approach you with ideas and guidelines for what they were looking for? Did you know where this was going? Yeah, I knew where this is going. We have a circle here, and we want to place a sculpture. So that was the presentation to me, and that uh, it's very unfinished here at the moment, but that uh, in time, everything is going to be developed around this area. So take that into consideration. And uh, from there, it's left up to me to make a decision, and I'm sure they possibly approached other people with for ideas, just like you might go shopping for a television. You know, you might look at other options, and uh, they didn't say it has to be this tall or what the subject matter had to be. Uh, I think they approached me because they're aware of some of my successes uh, out in the world, and let's say Germany or in the United States, and so they uh, they hope that I'm going to give them a good idea, and it's not a, they don't have to accept it. The Municipal Art Society, they obviously loved your idea. Talk about how it looks, how it was made. Paint a picture with words of this statue. <laughs> Paint a picture with words. Oh, well, I certainly can describe what's going on. We have a, uh, the silhouette of a male and the silhouette of a female intersecting directly in the center, one facing one way, one facing the other way. And now you have four quadrants. In each quadrant up at the heart area, there is a light that will show up at night. But the key part is uh, male-female intersection of these two symbolic forms uh, together to create a, a oneness. This is a theme for you. I understand there's, a, there's another uh, variation of the male-female statue in Japan? There is one in a, uh, in a uh, sculpture park. Oh, Kagoshima, I think, is the name of it. It's been a while since I put that. That, that one's in black, painted black. There's a, similar themes like that. There's one in a small city in Germany. I'm struggling to get that name, but, uh, but it's slightly different in that it's the male silhouette of a male, but cut out inside as a space, as a whole, is a silhouette of a female. But again, referencing our intersection between us, you know, male, female. And uh, also related to that would be uh, my uh, Molecule Man, uh, which is in Berlin on the, the Spree River. That's three figures intersecting, coming together uh, with the molecules drilled out from the figures. Uh, similar idea in that figures coming together to create a whole, in that case, uh, the Spree River actually divided West Berlin from East Berlin. And uh, when this piece was commissioned, they wanted a symbol that would symbolize the coming together of the, the East Germany and West Germany. Uh, in, in the case of uh, Baltimore, we're back to male-female intersecting together again to uh, try to create a, a symbol of balance and unity and oneness. You know, hoping, uh, I like to create symbols that uh, mean something uh, spiritually for people that refer to a wholeness. You know, this is not an easy time for us as a humanity uh, for many reasons. And uh, our goal is still to find peace within ourselves, within our families, within our neighborhoods, within our country, within our world. And so uh, 
looking for ways to symbolize that hope or that desire for peace is what I uh, quite often come up with in my uh, symbols or the sculptures that I make. Mr. Borofsky, let me ask you, what do you remember about the time you spent in Baltimore when you were building the sculpture? Like, you've clearly made a big impression on Baltimore, but how would you describe the impression the city made on you? Well, frankly, the two things that stuck in mind as I walked around uh, the neighborhoods, and there seemed to be a lot of poverty, and there also seemed to be uh, quite a fancy university. What's it called there? Uh, Medical institution. Johns Hopkins uh, University. Yeah, 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 which was always very and very impressive. So there was a little, you know, it's like every, uh, almost like every city, you have uh, areas that need to be brought up and need help. And at the same time, you have uh, a famous hospital college uh, known around the world. So uh, not, not different than a lot of big cities in that sense. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. What kind of reactions and conversations did you hope to inspire? with this huge sculpture, male-female. You've explained what it means to you. What do you hope it might mean for others? What kind of conversations do you... Because the thing people say about this statue is you can't walk by it without making some kind of a reaction to it. (laughs) Well, you know, you could put anything there. You could put a giant uh, poster there. I mean, I don't know. Uh, And you're going to get a reaction. As I said, I like to put a symbol for something that is uh, spiritually meaningful for humanity, for all of us. And so all I can do is give you my feeling for what I have for it and what I hope for it. Everybody brings something different, and and no matter what you put there or anywhere else, there will always be a certain group of people who say, I just don't like it. I don't get it. You know, and, okay, this is the way we are, especially today as we look around and see how we're kind of bouncing off each other 50-50 So I guess maybe I'm trying to bring those two 50s together in this sculpture. When you create art on such a huge scale, male-female, more than 50 feet tall, you are going to have a large audience. Not everybody in that audience is going to appreciate it, but they're Mm going to have to look at it one way or another. What would you say to critics of the piece who are subjected to it being part of their, uh, you know, daily landscape who might not like it? Well, I didn't like the word "subjected" that you just used, but I guess, but I guess you're, I guess you're trying to get into the mind of those people who are not liking it and and speaking for them with that word. Um, you know, just walk on by or try to understand. I mean, it's not like you have to stare at that piece. We're all, it's a place of motion there. If it was put in your backyard, you'd better damn well like it. But if you're just walking by to go to the store, uh, it is 360 degrees to be looking. So I'm not, uh, again, I've been asked to do place a sculpture there because some sculpture was going to go there. It wasn't mine. It was somebody else's with their own ideas. And uh, all I could do is give uh, my best effort and 
hope that it reaches uh, as many people as it can. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the reaction that the piece gets from critics. Mm-hmm. It seems like the source of the criticism is, there are a couple of sources. One is that the style of the statue immediately outside of this very traditional Beaux-Arts historical train station is a jarring contrast for people. And some people, I think, get freaked out by that contrast. Mm-hmm. It does, um, how can I say this nicely? That doesn't make any sense to me. My goal <laughs> is not to match the style of the train station. The style of the train station is from uh, has a wonderful, classical, old-fashioned look to it. But when you bring a, a sculptor in... Uh, whoever it might be, you don't say, please match the train station. You say, give us something fresh and hopeful or something that will work with the city in our time, in our moment. I mean, we're always adding, you know, the the newest modern building that you have in Baltimore does not go with one of your older buildings down the street, but it doesn't mean you keep building old buildings. You're always uh, designing for the future. And so it's not a question of... uh I mean, that piece will bl- would blend in much better if it had a park around it, which is what they've been discussing, instead of just sort of starkly standing there in the middle of uh, a lot of concrete and uh, cars. Let me ask you about the upcoming redevelopment plans for Penn Station. They say these plans are going to get underway this coming spring. Do you have any idea what might happen to your piece once this Penn Station redevelopment gets underway? I don't. Um, My gut feeling is they'll do what they want to do. Architects, when they come in, maybe want uh, a clean slate. No, move that. Move that. No, we don't like that. If it's because they don't like it aesthetically, that's nothing I can deal with. You know, I think there are probably enough people that like it aesthetically. But otherwise, no, I have no, uh, you know, you'll have to follow that. If anybody's interested in protecting the sculpture, um, they'll have to follow it. Otherwise, they'll just do what they want to do. And, you know, different parties have different uh, agendas. And that's all I can say about that. Yeah. As I was looking forward to talking with you and thinking more and more about this piece, male-female, I started to realize it's interesting how your relationship to a piece of public art as a viewer can evolve over time. Like, I'll be honest, when it first went up, I was just sort of confounded by it. But I have to say, over the years, it's become like a friend to me that I can always count on seeing when I go by. Maybe it's because Mm -hmm. it's a human form. And if it went away, I personally, I think I would really miss it at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, as a public artist, I guess time is another dimension that you're working with as a maker of public art, isn't it? All I can say is that it's good if the piece starts to nestle into the the surroundings and becomes part of the surroundings. It's not supposed to be the only thing to look at. It's one more thing. It's a Baltimore's effort to add some art to its city at a certain time, and I'm sure they're adding more art today. And uh, I hope the piece works as long as it can work for people. That's what, you know, everything, uh, every, uh, everything has its lifespan. 
Mr. Borofsky, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, and uh, I want to thank you for the time, and uh, thank you for doing such interesting work. Oh, thank you, Aaron. Thanks for your good questions, and uh, good luck with everything. Keep me informed if anything interesting comes up. Well, I reached out to the Beatty Development Group, the company who's got the contract to redevelop Penn Station, and I asked them what's going to happen to Mr. Borofsky's statue. Here is what they had to say in an email. The male-female statue is owned by the city of Baltimore through the Baltimore Public Art Commission and managed by the Baltimore Office for Promotion of the Arts. And the final decision about what becomes of the statue will be made by the city of Baltimore, not the development team. So, I reached out to the Baltimore Public Art Commission and the Baltimore Office for Promotion in the Arts, and here's what they had to say in an email. To date, no plans have been made to relocate the statue. If a decision is made to move it, the PAC and BOPA will work together to protect and preserve the statue during its relocation. Until then, the statue will remain in its current spot in front of Penn Station. A polite but cagey response, I would say, but it does sound like the male-female sculpture is going to be protected from the scrapyard, at least. But it might, just might, end up eventually enjoying a change of scenery. Julianne Franz, here we are uh, meeting once again at the foot, or the feet, I should say, of the male-female sculpture outside Penn Station. Are you looking at this sculpture any differently after hearing this story? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, we're uh, standing um, under the awning of Penn Station and looking south um, towards the new University of Baltimore building. And it is interesting. I've never seen it in this perspective before, but that building seems to have um, helped frame the sculpture nicely in terms of if we're talking about how this is aging and um, the continued growth of the city. Um, I can see what Mr. Borofsky is talking about, about how things continue to evolve um, and continue to respond to things that are here. And um, that particular building, I think, is um, doing a pretty nice job of um, connecting to that, that sculpture in its gray and white hues and its metal. If this male-female sculpture does end up getting transported and uh, put up somewhere else in the city, like, where do you think it ought to land? Any ideas? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it needs more room around it, right? It needs We need to be able to take it in much further away. You know, it's so funny I'm talking about, well, if you put it in your backyard, <laughs> you better like it. And I guess I do kind of feel like it's in my backyard <laughs> and I better like it. Um, you know, I think it would be great down at BWI where it really truly isn't a neighborhood where people don't have to stand at the foot of it and look up to it, but can actually take it in, I think maybe in the way that he's intended, the way we take it in from the highway. I think that might be a nice place. Or maybe like nestled in the woods of a park somewhere where you could come on it and it would surprise you when you come through the clearing of the trees. Yeah, it's true. That would be a great idea. It's about as tall as them. Julianne, I want to thank you for a great question. It was a lot of fun to uh, have an excuse to find Mr. Borofsky and, uh, and talk with him. I appreciate you taking it on. All right, that's just about going to wrap it up for this week's episode. You know how the show works. It's all about your questions. And uh, if you've got a local mystery that's got you scratching your head and you want to put me to work on it, you can hit me up at wypr.org slash curiosity. Where are we headed next? That is entirely up to you. And that's exactly what I love so much about doing this show. So 
Thanks for your questions. Uh, Thanks also, by the way, for the kind reviews you've been leaving for the podcast. Here are a couple that came in this past week. Makes me feel like part of my city. What a fantastic way to tell the stories of Baltimore. Here's another one that says, This is the podcast I always knew I wanted about the state I love. Thank you, Aaron. I don't think you and your team will run out of topics anytime soon. By the way, how will you turn this show into a live piece at a Baltimore stage? Uh, I don't know if that's in the cards anytime soon, but, you know, this is all about being open to your questions, so we'll see what happens. Thanks again, everyone, for the kind reviews and the comments. They really do help other curious listeners find their way to the show. I appreciate you. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. I'm Aaron Henkin. Stay curious, be in touch, and we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture, online at thepeelcenter.org.